wonderful to see you all here today, by the way. Thank you for, for coming afresh. Um, and uh, do you like the jacket, by the way, I should say? Yeah? It's cheap. It's very cheap. I didn't have to, I saved up a bit. It's mine. I bought this myself with my own money. Um, there's a few marks on it. Very cheap. Um, but um, yeah, a little bit oversized, actually. But they, they'll do the job. Don't look at me like that. It's, it's nice. It's, it's all right, isn't it? It, well, who's to say? Who's to say? There's a few marks on it. See if you can spot them later. But there we go. Now, we are here to do... My, my name's Christian, as I've already said. We are here, at the moment, we're going through a, a series on Mark. And we are on the fifth week of Lent, actually, now. So this one we've called No More Barriers. Uh, there we are. And we'll show you why in a second. In fact, the, the reading I'm going to take you from is Jesus going into the temple, okay, which is in Mark 11, verse 15 to 17. So this, is, this took place just a few days before Jesus went to the cross, actually. So they came to Jerusalem, and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written... My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you ever, ever feel distant from God? Yeah, a few, a few, yeah, a few nods there, that's nice. Do you ever find it hard to pray? Do you ever find it hard to sense his presence? Yes, sometimes. There are times when you would say that. Do you ever feel like he's not listening? You know, feel like, you know, you know, what's the point? Why is that? Is it that he doesn't care? Is he, is he in a mood with you all of a sudden? Because there's a people in my life that would be, trust me. They're not here, right? Well, they're not at home either, don't worry. It's not my wife. But, it's, you know, you get the point. It's, um, it, it's, sometimes we can feel that way or we can get there. And it's a really interesting passage. Jesus quoted from Isaiah and Jeremiah here. He threw two verses together in one respect and uh, or quoted them very close together. All the action took place in the court of the Gentiles, this. So this is where it's all happening, uh, which is around the outside of where we normally see it. Um, and it's the only area in the temple where the Gentiles were allowed to worship. Okay, that's basically their zone. It's, it's what's, what's going on. So it's why Jesus said this is a, a, he wanted a place for it to be a house of prayer for all nations. Okay, so there, there was a place where the Gentiles could actually come. And the religious leaders had allowed it to become a noisy, stinky, smelly public market, all right? That's why Jesus was frustrated. That's why he was really, really mad with this situation, if you like. Because in John, it says, zeal for your house will consume me. He was passionate about relationship, passionate about people connecting with God, passionate about that relationship, okay? So God was, God's house was supposed to be this place where they could come and connect, a place of prayer, a place of worship. But they'd been robbed, a den of robbers. And what had been taking place was that the non-Jews, who were only allowed there, had been robbed from their only bit of relationship with God that they could have at that time. So, what does he do? He drives them out. He drives out everything that's in the way. He drives out everything that's stopping that connection which is a nice precursor to the cross because only a few days later at the cross was where all mankind was invited into the fullness of relationship with him 
It's when God broke out completely and came to live inside all of us. And that there was brought only a few days after that. As 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says here, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Is that good news? Yes. So that's why I'm calling this message No More Barriers. Because there are now no more barriers. Even though sometimes we can think there's barriers, there are no more barriers. Jesus came into our lives and removed absolutely everything that stood in the way between us and God. Absolutely everything. And if you're not a Christian here today or you're watching online, know that you can enter into a life of fullness, of vibrancy with Jesus. And because of Jesus, actually, you can enjoy an incredible life. But my question remains, do we always enjoy that fullness? Do we always enjoy that fullness that's on offer? Or are there things that sometimes hinder us? Are there tables still sometimes, and maybe even non-real tables, that can get in the way and try and rob us from what God wants for us? Discuss. No, I won't get into doing that. feel like doing that, but I won't. Turn to page 37 and do some quiet reading. Um, <laughs> So when I was preparing this a while, a while back now, but I, I, I still think there's, there's worthwhile considering this, I felt that God was saying these words. Many of my people are struggling with thoughts that say that they are not good enough, not worthy, not valuable, or accusing thoughts. Thoughts that tell them that they're not righteous, that they have never amounted to any good, and have no hope in the future. Either that they're not a good enough parent or friend or Christian, that they don't pray enough, they don't read the word enough. Whatever the situation, and that list could go on, feeling heavy and guilty for a large amount of time. And this is not from me. Okay? That's from God. This is not from God. All of those things are not. And all of us can carry guilt from time to time. If you stood there, or sat there rather, going, well, actually, I don't feel guilty right now. Trust me, there's a lot of times when we go about it and we're not even aware of it. Yeah, it happens. Do you ever find yourself doing something because you don't want to upset somebody? Yeah? I do. You know, it's easy done, isn't it? Very, very easily done. So it's very easy to come under it. Do people ever make you feel guilty for doing something or not doing something? Yeah, do you ever get that sometimes? Oh, should have done that, shouldn't have done that. It happens so easily. And why? where does it come from? Where does guilt actually come from? I'm only picking on this one. There's a lot of tables I could have picked on here to, to do this, but the guilt one was a big one that seemed to be there for this week. But is guilt how Jesus motivated his disciples? Think about this. You can interact with me a little bit. You can say yes or no at this point. If you can give me an example for yes, then that's it with stuff, then that's the end of the preach. <laughs> All right, sorry, I missed it. Okay, it, but he didn't, did he? Yeah, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't going, come on, John, call that a prayer. That's useless. You know, he never did that. I've never read that anyway. If he did, sorry, you can, you can, uh, um, <laughs> you can correct me later. Guilt can come from anywhere. It can come from ourselves. It can come from others. When you get judged by others, that's lovely, isn't it? When you get judged by other people. I always like that. Um, and it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. But if the Holy Spirit speaks, when the Holy speaks, rather, when the Holy Spirit actually communicates to us, it's specific, it's inspiring, and it's empowering to change lifestyle or to connect and, and to realize the reality that we're connected with God. I'll say that again. 
When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's specific, it's inspiring, and it's empowering. Okay? That's what comes. That's the, the voice of God lifts. The voice of guilt and condemnation just crushes. And the two are very, very different things. One is definitely not of God, and we need to be aware of it. Okay? Condemnation and guilt saps us of energy, saps us of joy, and it makes us feel that God is disappointed, and we have to try really hard to get back into his good books. Ever felt like that? Yeah? Just, yeah, just nod. It makes me feel better. Yeah. It makes me feel like you're listening, you know? Otherwise, I have to start firing maths questions at you. That's no good. But it's, to be honest, this is all complete rubbish. It, it's not the gospel at all. All right? Guilt is not the gospel. It doesn't motivate correctly at all. It's not from God. The greatest problem of condemnation in all of this is that it distorts reality. All right? It completely and utterly distorts it. It makes you feel as though there's a wedge between us and God. All right? It makes us believe we're no longer connected with him. It's just a distortion. It's not true. But it stops us drawing close because we feel guilty. Who wants to draw close to a God who we think is angry with us? You don't, do you? If you've had somebody who's angry with you, you don't go anywhere near them. Because who wants to get shouted at? No? Do you know anyone like that in your life? No? Okay. That's just me then. But there we are. You get the point. Yes? That's why it's the enemy's greatest ploy. Because it's one of those situations where we will always, always, always think, if God's angry, then I'll no, not want to go anywhere near him. And there will be a distance between us and God. Shall we answer some good news? Romans 5, please. Romans 5, verse 17, says the following. For if by the trespass of the one man, that was Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? There's a lot in this. You'll go through it slowly. At the cross, Jesus took our unrighteousness off us. All right? He completely and utterly took our our stinky jacket that was dead cheap. All right? He took it off us. Whatever this cost, I don't know. It wasn't much. All right. The marked jacket. And then he grabbed this one. I'm not even going to do anything with that. And he put on, he gave us his righteousness. This jacket, by the way, costs a lot of money. It was a gift by my dad, quite, quite nicely for this service. But, not just for this service. So he gave me this. It's a gift. He's not having it. And he'll never take it back. Yep. All right, does that make sense? It's a gift. We're gifted God's righteousness. We're gifted God's grace at the cross. He takes our unrighteousness and puts it on the cross with him. And he gives us his righteousness. This is now you wearing this jacket. All right? I mean, you don't want to wear this jacket, I'm sure. But you get the point. This is it now. You are now completely and utterly righteous. You are completely and utterly right with God. Not earned. 
That jacket was not earned. Got it? Completely and utterly not earned. The moment we became Christians, we gained not just a little bit of grace, but abundant grace. A constant supply of God's grace going into you all the time. Picture that for a second. That's what you received there and then and constantly. Always happening. Now grace, forgiveness of sins, obviously. The removal of guilt. You stand now, every one of us, permanently in favor or in the favor of God. It's big part of the gospel package. And it's essential that we know that. But as we've said, Christ's righteousness, right standing with God, it's gifted. Our actions don't earn it. It was Christ's obedience at the cross. Christ's obedience, right, is life all the way up to the cross that earned this for us. And because it is his obedience, it doesn't make any difference what my actions are they don't take this jacket off. You got that? All right. Doesn't matter whether I disobey or obey at this point, I don't get to lose this jacket. It's a gift from my father. Or it's a gift from Jesus. Jesus gifted it to me. Just as I couldn't have earned it when I was wearing this one, it makes no difference now. All right? Some of you are looking a little bit nervy, but it's okay. Stay with me a second. The important thing that we stay on with this here, however good or bad we've been today or forever, the gift of righteousness is never, ever, ever taken away. Never. You own it now. Our right standing with God is permanent, completely, regardless of anything, which means we are always close to God no matter whether you feel it or not. Nothing separates, no more barriers. Okay? Now, I'm not promoting sin here. I'm not saying, once you've got this jacket, go off and do whatever you want. It's great. Yes, that's not the message. Okay, but we often have it the wrong way round. We often think that we're wearing this jacket, and we've got to be really, really good to wear this jacket. Does that make sense? We often think that this is me. I'm wearing this unrighteousness at the moment, and if I'm really super good and I take this to the dry cleaners again and again and again, they'll take all the marks out of it in the end. But they never do. They never, ever do. You need a new jacket. This will not get rid of all the marks. There's too many marks around the neck. Look, it's just it's not going to work. All right? It doesn't work. The dry cleaners can't do anything with it. But the new jacket can. And you wear that jacket, and that's, unique. that's the jacket you've got. Because behavior follows belief. So what you believe in is what you'll behave like in the end. We, have, we used to have, we don't have it anymore uh, because our kids are a bit too old for it. We used to have a naughty step. Did you ever have a naughty step, parents, in the house? Yeah? So you're nodding there. Great. It's, it's wrong. You shouldn't have a naughty step. I've learned this with the, the, the youngest in the house who um, we went, he did something, I can't remember what. Now, um, and we went, go to the naughty step. Shouldn't be doing that. Went to the naughty step. Started drawing on the walls. So, well, it is a naughty step. <laughs> it's not a naughty step so you can be naughty. It's not the zone in the house to be naughty on. It's where you reflect on your behavior. But so, there we go. So, don't call it a naughty step. Call it a step of reflection of behavior. <laughs> but it's very important that we realize that, it, what, that behavior follows belief. 
Yeah? So that's really important. It's important that we recognize what jacket we're really wearing right now. That's what the message really I'm trying to drive at because it makes a big difference. If we believe we are Christ's righteousness on us and with us and through us, our behavior will follow. Got it? If I believe I'm righteous now, only because of Christ, but if I believe I'm righteous, I will behave righteously. More and more so. I won't be perfect immediately, but more and more so my righteous behavior will follow that identity. But if we're always thinking we've got to try to connect to God and I'm guilty and I'm all and I'm like this, then it is so much harder to do anything. We're always going to feel heavy and we're not going to see anything happen. It is not a good driving force. It is an exhausting driving force, actually. Wearing that jacket will tire you out. It's just the way that it goes. Resting back in his righteousness, recognizing the truth, that this is actually what you're all wearing right now. Resting in that truth will create in us the right motive and the right power to obey him. I've heard stories of people that have been struggling with pornography and they've gone to this verse again and again and again and just spoken it over themselves again and again and again. And in the end, it goes. Now that's amazing, but that's the power of God as we start to understand what's actually going on as we understand who we really are in Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're righteous people. And the more we see ourselves as righteous people, the less we'll behave as unrighteous people. Yeah. And that is the way that it is. I always felt that I had to perform. If you, if you like me, then this was, this is, this was my... This was my issue. I always thought I had to perform to the best of my ability in absolutely everything. If I was going to be accepted by people around me, if I was going to be valued by people around me, I thought I had to be the best at whatever I was doing. Yeah? I mean, I would pick the right things. Don't worry. You know, but I would think that I would have to be the funniest person in the room or the, whatever it was. I, and it, that would be my issue. It would be a huge issue in my life. And, and it would mean that if I could be that person then God would be pleased with me, yeah? Or I would be valued by people, or I would be valued by God. So if, I, if we put it in the Christian context, as soon as I got saved, it's like, right, what do you have to be to, to be a good Christian? I have to read the Bible a lot, you have to pray a lot, you have to witness a lot. So that was my understanding. So if God was going to value me, then I'd have to do all of those things, yeah? Lots, I mean lots. And it becomes quite a driven mentality, and it's not right because actually... God is already delighted in me. And God's already delighted in you. Because you're already wearing that jacket. Yes, you're already wearing his righteousness. This completely released me, as I started to understand this, to live in the freedom that God has for each and every one of us. Okay? A fresh desire and power to live for Jesus. Where you want to do it, rather than you feel forced to do it. There's a difference between the two. What do you think God wants? Do you think he wants people going, oh, I've got to go to church today? Or do you think he wants people going, smart, it's church today? Yeah, you get the difference. A desire to do what he wants us to do. That's what he wants. Hearts, our hearts and minds, more and more in tune with him. But as I confessed out the verse, more and more and more, 
as I confessed out that Christ's righteousness, more and more and more, I sense less fear. I sense less stress. I sense less striving to perform. And far, far, far more peace. Far, far more energy. Dear me, if you want an advert for that scripture, then that was a good one, isn't it? More energy because there was less guilt which was sapping it all the time. All right? That's important. The other thing that's underlined there is reign in life. That's powerful. As we believe that truth, we begin to experience reigning in life. We begin to experience that wonderful strength on the inside that we can go through the most difficult of days, the most tiring of days in the natural with the most incredible energy and the most incredible strength, reigning in life. That's what Jesus wants for each and every single one of us. And it comes through our connection with God. All right? I am connected to God. Got it? You are connected to God. It's a good thing. And anything that tells you you're not is a distortion on reality, and that's when we start to feel tired. That's when we start to feel like we've lost it. So it's just coming back to the truth, and if we have to keep on confessing it out, that we are connected, and there are no more barriers. But as I confess that out and believe that I am the righteousness of Christ, I do have his righteousness, I do have his grace, then I've expected fruit. Fruit came, sorry, the following fruit. As I said, the condemnation went away, the guilt dropped away. The greater intimacy with Jesus was found. Far more energy, far more desire and power to live for him. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful truths. And less fear of man, less fear of people. Because the more I'm experiencing that connection, that love of God, that the fear of man is just stripped away. And that's another one, which is, that's another preach. I'm not doing that now. But that actually also threw in the desire to spread the gospel. Because the more you want to do this, the more you want to walk with Jesus, the more you want to spread the truth of the, the gospel of Christ. So we do have Alpha coming up, as you know. And therefore, do get to Tom, who's the point of the state. They get to Tom. Um, if you have got anyone that you will be bringing to Alpha, or you expect to bring to Alpha, that would be great. If you're online, if you can just drop us an email, that would be fantastic. Um, and we will um, start to prepare for that. That would be great. Um, I just want to finish with one sentence. God is not disappointed with us. He delights with us. If anything is going to be remembered, remember me in my grey jacket, and remember this. I ain't wearing this again. This is a wedding jacket, actually. <laughs> As a preaching that. <laughs> uh, God is not disappointed in us. He delights in us.